blockade back room. Here we go. Boom. All right. How's that for an intro? Okay. So I want to let you uh, get your words in first. You were in the Australian pinball open this past weekend. That's right. Yeah. So we um, down here in Brisbane uh, hosted the the Australian Pimple Open. I think it might actually go by another name officially, but that's what we've been calling it. Um, and it was a pretty cool event um, that suffered really terribly from um, underestimation of timing, uh, no. just how long it would take to complete games. Because you've got to remember that this Australian Pimble Open has its invite only, and okay. it is the best players in Australia are invited in based on their IFPA rank. So they're okay. invited to attend. Um, if they're Brisbane players or they've actually played up in, in Brisbane, they, I, I forget how it's done, but I think everyone from around Australia uh, that's in the top, like 25, uh, gets invited in. So we've got some very, very good players here that know their way around pinball machines. And there was one, uh, I think there was a, Oh, I forget what the, the final was between. It was between one of the Brisbane guys and um, someone from interstate. And they were going for two hours um, to get through their, their round. So oh, my God. Each, each round has three pinballs in it. And, um, yeah, two hours was the oh. amount of time for them to go through it. So what was supposed to happen is it was actually we were piggybacking the final from the Brisbane Pinball Club um, on the coattails of the Australian Pinball Open because there were about 12 machines there um, and people, you know, being in the pinball community, they came in and they contributed their tables free of charge for the event, which was really nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, there were some really, really nice tables there, which I'll talk about shortly, but... Um, the the biggest problem they had was uh, a little bit of trouble with the uh, tournament software initially, uh, just because it wasn't very mobile accessible and you couldn't reseed people very easily on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what the the software was called, but um, it was yeah, it's not really that great on mobile. You had to actually have a PC to to do it, um, or you had to um, yeah, kind of recreate. The, uh, the tournament, which was a real pain in the ass. Um, so that, that basically added on Friday night about 45 minutes to the start time. Oh my and, God. Um, yeah, it was terrible. And <laughs> they, they had a pretty good um, set of tables there. Um, I think probably the best of show for me uh, was the Indiana Jones, the Williams Indiana Jones. This thing... I swear, someone went back in time and got a new inbox Indy Jones and then brought it to the future and put a color DMD in it and some LEDs. Oh, nice. And it was clearly it had been re um, diamond plated again because it was just flawless. The cabinet was really in good condition, which is a real problem for Indy Jones because they always fade. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, this thing was beautiful. I've never seen a. Indy Jones in con- the condition that it was, except when it came out of the box when it was first released. Um, and for the first time, I've actually seen color DMDs in action. They okay. they change they make the, the table. way they make the table. Like this thing, put it this way: there was some um, sterns there. There was actually mm-hmm. a like a um, a kiss there, a kiss uh, pro. 
if you put that Indy Jones beside that Kiss Pro, I can guarantee you the Indy Jones would win out. Like it was better looking than yeah. the um, Sterns, which is saying something really for like a 20 year old machine. Um, then there was a diner. Now I unfortunately am kicking myself because I was going, well, there were some machines there that were actually on pin golf and they were restricted to pin golf only. So you couldn't really step up to them and play them. Unfortunately, it was a lot of the really beautiful tables that were there, mm. which was frustrating as hell because I was going, oh, I really love to play that. Well, everyone was trying to get their pin golf um, scorecards in on it. So I didn't feel right playing it. So Indy Jones, Diner, um, there was a, um, I think a Spider-Man or like a, I think there was Dark Knight from Stern were also the pin golf ones. And there were a couple others there too. Um, and I just couldn't get near them. And it was so frustrating. Um, and I was kind of going, well, that's okay. It'll be on Sunday. We'll go back there and complete the, the tail end of the, uh, the Brisbane Pinball Club tournament. But they've got a, an email on Sunday morning saying, due to extreme timing issues, we can't, we just can't do the BPC final. Um, in the afternoon and they were wise in doing that because it was supposed to start at 3.30 um, and the uh, the final was still going at 7pm at night. Oh my God. Yep. So it was uh, it was well and truly blown out. Um, so yeah, it's kind of good that they did that and, uh, and postponed it. But that will mean that we don't get access to all these beautiful tables. So Indy Jones was oh. the, the best in show yeah. for me. Diner was immaculate as well. Like, again, mm-hmm. very close to being new in box. The guy had actually got the very last available um, cup for it. You know how you got to stir the cup on yeah. that game? The big thing at the back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got the, the very last um, new old stock or Noz um, version of that. Um, and it's like... All the plastics don't have that sort of, um, you know, yellow uh, ghost on them. Yeah, <laughs> right. yellowing. They are just beautifully clear. Um, wow. It just looked amazing. And uh, there was a taxi there as well, which had a, um, a reproduction play field on it, um, or like at least a sticker, like an adhesive sticker that you put over the play field. And it was in great condition. First time I ever played taxi real life. And, uh, yeah, there's a real problem with vacuum ramps on TPA. <laughs> real problem. Or flipper strength or something. Because at that left ramp is an absolute nightmare to try and shoot in real life. Yeah. You have to be so precise with the ramps on that game. And, yeah, you just shoot anywhere near them on TPA and it just sucks it straight up. So it's really not accurate in my opinion. Um, Season one. <laughs> yeah, season one, go figure, right? They had a, a Adams family there with a color DMD. Again, mm-hmm. beautiful implementation of color DMD on that. Um, there was also a um, Medieval Madness there, not a remake, but a, an original. Okay. And um, I had to do a bit of um, fault diagnosis on it while I was there because it had a um, transistor failure on it. What was happening is the um, the right flipper was uh, staying up all the time. They were going, oh, did they, I heard my name going, Jared, Jared, come over mm-hmm. here. Everyone was gathered around the machine going, oh, the flipper won't go down. And I go, okay. And I actually grabbed the flipper and forced it back down again. Mm-hmm. And I could feel that the hold coil, uh, winding on the coil was actually holding the flipper up. I thought, hmm, that's not good. So I lifted up the play field and sure enough, the coil was white hot. 
Oh, it was nice. just so hot to touch. I went, all right, turn it off. And I quickly turned it off. I was like, you need to turn it off now. <laughs> That's pretty much what I said. So uh, the because it was somebody's um, pride and joy, I didn't want that coil overheating. Yeah. And That's a good rule uh, of thumb that, that we do all the time in our league, which is if you notice any problem with a machine, turn it off. Just, oh yeah. Go go contact the owner and uh, say, hey, come check it out because you you may know about it or you may not, and then you can deem yeah. if we need to just keep it permanently off and play a different machine or not. But uh, right. yeah, be, like, be respectful of these people's stuff. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this, this thing was beautiful. This this was a very nice table as well. It didn't actually have a color DMD in it, though. It was probably the only one uh, that didn't actually have a color DMD that mm. actually had the support for color DMD. Right. And uh, um, it was very good condition. Um, but yes, it was um, for those people who know their way around the schematic, it was a TIP-102 transistor, big MOSFET transistor that um, powers the flippers that was locked open. So he, um, the owner called him a tech on Saturday to get it up and running again for the guys, which was really good of him. Um, so yeah, that was, that was one I didn't get to have a go of. I played that when it was out of the crate, um, uh, when it was new. So I kind of aren't, I wasn't too upset about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice as well. So yeah, I played a dark night as well for the first time. Um, that's got some cool features on it. Um, for a game, have you played that one? I don't think I have. Mm. It's got this big crane that swings out on a fixed arm and you've got to shoot it to complete these sort of targets that are lit underneath the ball. Think of um, a little bit like um, Junkyard, but without the chain. It's actually like fixed okay. to a spring and it's really quite close to the play field. Okay. And it's got some really tall ramps on it too. So, yeah, the ball goes up really high at the back there. It looks mm. really cool. Um, they also had an Ironman Pro there as well, which is quite fun to play. I did pretty well on that, actually. I won my, my grouping on that. I got 18 million on it, okay. which is pretty good. Um, and they also had the Kiss Pro, which I hadn't played before. That's a bit sort of meh. I couldn't really get into the Pro that much. It was okay. It was fun enough to play. Um, they also had a um, Spider-Man as well. And this was not the, of course, not the remake because I haven't released right. it yet. But it gave me an idea about what that game would play like with a new... Um, art package because I've never seen it before and yeah that's going to be a fun game to play it was really fun just to flip um, it seems to play really well so I think Stern was uh, on the mark re-releasing that one as um, a vault because it seems like it's got a fair, fairly long legs on it um, now they were the, the highlights there was uh, a, a couple of lowlights there unfortunately there were a lot of tables in um, from a certain um, operator that, that were brought along just to make up numbers, but boy, they were in rough shape. There was a cyclone, <laughs> a cyclone that number one was bought in dirty, like it was filthy. Oh. It needed to clean badly before it was put on, on on show. Like the disparity between the table quality was notable. Like with yeah. the ones like, you know, Indy Jones and all the ones that have clearly been cared for and uh, in people's houses compared to this one was just, wow. <laughs> it was like... Yeah, it was rough as guts. Um, so the Cyclone was in terrible condition. The Black Pyramid um, was there as well, and it was, yeah, pretty rough condition as well. And the drop targets that got you your bonus multiply weren't resetting. Um, <laughs> so so it was turned off because you couldn't really play yeah, it. Yeah, what's the point? 
there was a meteor there though from Stern, an old early solid state, and surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, that was that was working well, and it was quite a fun game for its era. Um, it's one of those ones with um, uh, that actually have switches on the playfield that will spot your drop targets, and they will drop automatically. Okay. Like Flight 2000 did, um, it will actually spot drop targets for you. It was a lot of fun to play. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And for me, I think the the highlight that wasn't all the really tricked up games, they actually had a genie there. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing is quite impressive to look at when you walk up to it and uh, and see one in real life. the The scale isn't really conveyed that well in um, TPA, no. but it's massive that thing. Yeah, it's a it's a big square it's big, almost. <laughs> it's bigger. It's bigger than any super pin, like um, Judge Dread or any of that. It feels bigger, and I think the reason why it feels bigger is because the playfield is so close to the glass. Yeah, it's, it's very not flat. Inside. Yeah, and that's the thing about this era of table. These wide body tables, they they just seem to be because of the, the fact that the play field is so close to the glass, they just seem massive. Um, whereas I think dimensionally, they probably are about the same cabinet size as a super pin. Um, I'd have to get my tape measure out, but I have a feeling that they're about the same size as say something like um, Indy Jones, which was a super pin. Um, so yeah, overall a great collection um, of pinballs there. And um, it was really great to see the community coming out and, um, sort of donating them for use and abuse by everybody there. Um, so I guess the only thing we can look out for is for the BPC to be rescheduled to a later date and probably play on the usual six tables that we play at um, the um, Green Slopes Bowls Club, which um, are done by the, unfortunately, the operator that had the less than stellar tables <laughs> at the collection. He really needs to send them my way and I'll, strip them back and actually give them a good clean and maybe put a bit of mylar over the play fields to make them less suck. Um, It it just needs, he doesn't have the, I guess the time to actually care for the tables. Like he will go to a store and buy a secondhand one and then just put them straight out on location um, without doing any sort of cleaning or stripping back or doing any sort of like putting LEDs in or, it just like, I don't know. He just wants to get them out there and start earning money. And it's just, it really doesn't reflect well on the tables that are out there. And he doesn't have a chance to go through any circuit boards or anything like that and do any like preventative maintenance on them. Like he just puts them out there and then they'll break because, you know, all the capacitors are drying up and all that sort of stuff. Right. So I don't know why he does it. It just doesn't really make sense to me. Anyhow. So that was the fun of the, um, the Australian Pinball Open. The um, yeah, the final did actually finish. I think it wasn't that much more than um, two and a half hours, I think. But that's a marathon. It was on taxi too. I think the guys had the high score of about fifteen million on taxi, which is for that, that table. I was I was flat out getting um, about one million. Yeah, on that table, it was so tough to play. So 15 million is a colossal score on that table. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good to see. Well, I've, I've had some thoughts about, uh, I put it out there a couple of podcasts ago about how we're going to continue with tournament of the month. Oh yeah. And what some options are for that. And I've kind of struck upon an idea that again, I don't know if, if we'll do it or not. Um, 
I am sold on the idea. I do want to do Zen tables. Um, mm. And what I'm kind of thinking of doing is making them every other month. So one month we'll play Zen tables. One month we'll do uh, TBA tables. Okay. Um, just because that way the people that don't have Zen tables, it's, you know, we're not completely eliminating them. Yeah. We're um, not like blocking out a year. That the web yeah. We're not blocking out a year, but I, I don't, yeah. a lot of people are bored with TPA. Mm. I've, I've heard it where they're just like, I'm burnt out. I'm done with it. And I'm, I'm kind of feeling that too. And it's like, but I'm not bored at all with the Zen cause I don't play them much. So right. oh, shut up about pro pinball pinball whiz. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's only one table. And it's one not table. Everyone has got their, not everyone has got their uh, rewards for it yet. It is publicly available. You can go buy it, but, you know, uh, 15 bucks ago. Um, but so anyway, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that I'll run the Zen table of the week and, and whether we do it by the week or here's the four tables that are going to be at the turn of the month, you know, don't know. I'm not sure about that. But here's what my idea was. There's been a lot of people that have come up with other ideas for how to run tournament. Mm. Some people want to have it broken down by uh, class. Uh, some people want to do pin golf or you know other tournament formats. And my idea is, hey, fine. How about this? If you want to run the tournament for a month, you get to pick the tables. You get to pick the format. You get to do anything that you want to do with it. Um, you yep. can take the data that we've had from all the previous things and, and form how, you know, who you want playing against who and, and, and do whatever you want. And yep. we'll, as the blockade, we'll promote it just as like we normally do. It's just I won't be actually physically running the tournament. You'll be responsible for collecting all the scores. You'll be responsible for making the post. Um and I think that would be a good way of letting people, you know, try out some things that they want to try out, um, maybe making them a little bit more involved. And maybe we'll see some ideas of, of what will work and what won't. But I just, I don't have it in me to, to formulate all this new stuff. And, uh, you know, Ksenia has already basically said, hey, you know, the tournament software that I made for you is the tournament software that you got. You know, he doesn't have time to, to come up with all the sorts right. of madness either. So mm. that's kind of an idea that I'm playing with. So um, I'm going to wind up posting this on the forum, too. And but I want to let you guys know this that listen to the, the blockade podcast. Just kind of put it out there. Like I said, we've still got, uh, uh, you know, month or two before that kind of decision needs to be made. Um, but if people are interested in maybe hosting a blockade tournament for a month, then go ahead and get a hold of us. You know, hit us up on Twitter at uh, at blockade, and uh, you know we can start getting your email and uh, seeing what your thoughts or ideas are. And you know, hopefully, if we get you know half dozen people that are interested in doing this, then that would fill out an entire year. Like I said, I would do Zen. Uh, every other month, and then these other people could pop in and do that. That's right. Think of it like a um, a one and done tournament. There's a podcast out there called One and Done, and the idea was that people come in and just do one or two podcasts and sort of test out what, right. whether they like doing it. So it's one right. and done tournaments. 
Yeah. And that way there's no commitment issues. There's nothing, you know, it's, uh, we're not putting all our eggs in one basket or anything else like that. It's just kind of like, you know, in that way too, if, if, if everybody hates the, you know, what was done that month, well, that's the end of it. We don't have to hear about it again. And, uh, that's right. um, you know, I won't yeah. feel bad if eventually I go, eh, no, I don't like this idea anymore. We're done. And we're going back to me doing everything. Then <laughs> it's, yeah. it is what it is. But so, yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Yeah, look, it's worth trying out anyhow mm-hmm. um, and seeing what happens. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, good good idea. Do it. Do it. There's that idea. Last thing I want to touch upon uh, has very little to do with pinball, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why it's here in the back room. Um, so I was reading somewhere an article that was basically saying that uh, 3D is being declared dead in the TV business, um, you know, for TV mm-hmm. sales at least until they can do the, they call it audio stereoscopic. So it's glass free. Uh, oh, 3D. Cool. Um, basically all the manufacturers that are making TVs other than their flagship TVs, they're dropping, putting 3d. I don't even know if the PS4 has gotten uh 3d playback yet for its Blu-ray player. Um, there was a time when, when Sony announced when they first put in 3d on the PS3, they all of a sudden made it so that any game that was coming out on the PS3 had to be able to have 3D support. 3D. And I don't think there's a single game <laughs> that's uh, been put out on PS4 that has 3D support. So what that got me thinking about, though, is what's the next big thing? It's it's VR. It's having... Um, uh, you know, Oculus and Morpheus, these giant glass, you know, these things that are going over your head. Big goggles. And I'm like, yep. why is it that they think that this is going to be a big giant success when people didn't want to wear lightweight glasses? And now you've got them recorded and heavy and possible. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Because these are like, with the TV, you had to buy a TV anyhow when your other one died. Yeah. So having 3D or stuff like that on it was complimentary to it, you know. It's like, oh, cool, 3D. I guess I can watch movies and I can watch Avatar or stuff like that. Right. You know, at the time. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of goggles um, and using those for a long period of time, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that, that goes. Uh, number and it one, only works for certain styles of game. That's right. And it's also very non inclusive. So if you've got friends over and want to play Pinball Arcade, for example, uh, in in Oculus, uh, then, well, you're going to have to do past the goggles. That's not going to be much fun. Well, they can see your game. They'll see it on the TV screen, but it'll be... Uh, you... Split screen. The computer screen too is split screens, and so it's yeah. both eyes that you're seeing, whether yeah. they could make it so that only one eye is being shown or whatever, um, you so could that probably, other people yes. can see. Maybe you could actually get, I don't know if this is possible with um, Oculus or stuff, but you could, maybe you could get like a, uh, not fake glasses, but glasses that allow you to see the composited vision on a TV. Like if you sit at a certain angle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Because I know that if you don't have a, a cardboard um, viewer on Android, which is a VR thing on Android, you can kind of just let your eyes not focus with them. Yeah, just cross sort of. Mm-hmm. And you can then see the vision. You sort of have like this this core vision in the middle. I'm doing this for Blab users. Core vision in the in the middle and then either side you have like a mirrored image sort of flicking around as well. But if you just zone in on the middle, 
zone. Right. You can see it. It's a bit distracting, but you know, you could kind of get the, the, the idea then. Yeah. I don't know the, uh, that's why I, I don't, the other thing that got me thinking about it was there was somebody, uh, that I know that works on a TV show. They threw up, uh, a scene we'll call it. It was probably a minute and a half. Uh, it was from this show called, uh, uh ah, shoot. Can't remember. Anyway, it's a medical show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was you could move 360 and oh, see wow. whatever you wanted to, you know, just move the camera with your with your slider or whatever and move all the way around. Because they basically want you to be like you were the patient being rushed into the ER and everybody is, is coming in and, and working on you. The immediate thing that struck me, though, is I had no clue where to look. Yeah. You know, people are talking. And and now you're having to kind of zoom around to figure out who it is talking. But then if somebody else talking, you got to zoom back. Yeah. And it's very. It's not how I want to watch TV. I want to watch TV by sitting down and relaxing and letting the story be told to me, not me trying to seek out the story. That to yeah. me is annoying. Um, yeah. Again, in a video game, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, having which, you know, the say you're in a flight sim, for example, and you have right. uh, you hear in your left ear. Um, that the plane is approaching on your left, or you look around, and it's natural to do that because right. you then look for the thing that you're actually shooting for, for example. But yeah, in a movie, um, I don't, I don't want to miss the key piece of action that I was supposed to see just because I wasn't aware that I was, you know, supposed to be looking in that direction at the at the that moment. I wonder if um, the idea behind that is that you know, as a a DVD or sorry, a Blu-ray owner, you could then have multiple. Um, I guess viewings of the movie and see a different thing every time because it would like you could look at certain parts of the movie that weren't yeah. the you know, primary sort of viewpoint and get a different perspective of the movie or the scenery or stuff like that. I don't know. I will say it would be virtually impossible to film. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> because- and how you'd have about to hide the equipment that? every single time. And how about but, scripting that, right? Because you'd have to have all oh, the yeah. actors doing something. So in the case of that medical example you had, every single extra, which would probably essentially be a lot of the pe- the cast in that scene, they would have to have active roles and be doing right. things. That would be a right. nightmare to do as a producer. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that then got me thinking about this uh, a lot was when I went and saw Deadpool, there was a trailer for a movie called Hardcore Henry. Um, this, I realized I've seen, they, they'd done a proof of concept video a couple of, I remember six months ago, actually it had to have been a lot longer since this movie was done. But anyway, the whole movie, it's an action movie and you are the stunt man or you're, you're the character. So the whole thing is told in first person perspective of this one person. And it's the dude's doing crazy stuff. You know, you're in the middle of a gunfight, you're kicking, you're jumping out of a window and onto a moving motorcycle. I mean, you know, again, look up the trailer. The trailer just came out. It's called, like I said, Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. But I don't believe I could stand to sit there for 90 minutes and watch this. You're going to be I, a little bit too much Blair Witch. So, you know, well, I mean, I hate but... shaky cam to begin with. I loathe it. And to me, this is going to be nothing but that because oh, yeah. the person's head is whipping around and, and you know. So it's almost like they've got a GoPro attached to their head. And that's something. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. That'd be hard. I, to... I just, I, I don't. But it made me think of, hey, as a VR experience, it'd probably be, cool. be pretty interesting. Mm. Um, but sitting in a movie theater, I just, 
Oh, no. Imagine, you know, doing the whole 3D immersive thing. I mean, you could take it another step again, which is probably way, way in the future, but you would actually be walking around as actors and you'd have to have some sort of helmet on with like a camera ray that actually goes around like a halo mm. around your head. And then, <laughs> oh man, I'd, I'd hate to be the guy in post trying to process this, but you could actually then have a perspective from each actor walking around in 3D and you could switch between the three actors or however uh-huh. many actors there are. <laughs> just as I'm saying this, I'm going, man, that would just be. So then you couldn't do it because then you'd see the other person wearing the halo around them. They would. Yeah, and, they'd have a halo. Yeah. You'd have to just accept that they have a halo on. Um, yeah. And or, or maybe they could actually put VR points on it, like marker points, and actually just like edit it out. Well, what you'd what you'd probably have to do is you'd have to film it. Let's let's say you had three actors. You'd have to film it three completely separate times. Uh, yeah. each time one person wearing the thing, the rig, so you'd be able to cut to them and then cut back. Yeah. But then you're dealing with the continuity issue where everything has to be perfectly timed so that if you cut to yep. the other thing, is exactly doing... I think doing they'd probably that. do it with um, kind of like a... You know how they have uh, motion capture and you have the little dots yeah. on the head? They'd probably do it with that and then just cut it out digitally in post. Um, there was a yeah. time when uh, when DVD first came out and they were playing with all the the I you know the capabilities of what you could do with DVD where they were letting you okay here's all the angles that we use to film this stunt sequence mm. now you can cut between yourself and it wasn't that you could save the sequence but you knew that okay you had six cameras you've got six buttons on your remote control when you want to cut so to something else the push director. the button so you could be the director. And everybody was all thrilled and stoked about that until it was put into use. And you realized, well, I'd rather just watch what the direct, the editor did because they yeah. did so much better than what I ever <laughs> could have. The, the final result <laughs> of that, it, it was almost like an exercise in post-production is hard. Let's go to the mall. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And it reminded me there was a game uh, on the PS2, I believe, called Driver. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And one of the modes of driver was that you were able to, after you did your whole chase, um, go back. And you could. It was instant, and you could place where the cameras were, and then you could see it from those angles. Yes. And again, it was one of those things where it was like you'd mess around with it for a little bit, and then after two hours, realize, well, oh, I really came up with something crappy. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't well. Wow, that was wasn't really much sucks. fun to watch. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's then you tough. figure some people, some people went and did it. And I mean, there was those guys that did uh, Red versus Blue, which was they edited entire movies out of Halo. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but again, you think about the time that they spent doing that to create these things. It's just hours. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I'm not convinced. That's that's what right. sums up the whole thing. I'm not convinced. I'm not buying it. <laughs> yep. I agree. So, yeah, 3D, not really something that's going to be continued with. I'm not really upset about that. Well, um, well until like they do glasses 3D. That, yeah, they're not they're not continuing it with, with TV market. They're obviously still putting it out in the movie theaters. Which and... is probably the right way to go. I think the movie market, uh, like the home movie market, really shook up the cinemas. And they would start to get wall, but you know, 3D at home means that 3D in the movies won't be any good. But I think they realize that 
yeah, technical limitations at home just make it not enjoyable. And you want to go to the movies anyhow and have the big screen experience, right? Well, and I experienced it with my own household where I was all set to watch a movie in 3D and I got vetoed by the wife and kid because they didn't mm. want to wear the glasses. So, well, yeah, me, got, I wear glasses wife, anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> yeah. My wife gets terrible motion sickness. She won't go to a 3D movie with me. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to go by myself. And I've got a friend that is in the same boat. They prefer not to go to 3D movies. And it's like, man, there's some movies that really do translate well to 3D and yeah. really should kind of be watched in 3D. Mm-hmm. I heard um, differing uh, opinions of uh, Star Wars 7. Um, and some people going, mm-hmm. yeah, didn't, I don't know, didn't really need to see it in 3D. Some people go, oh, yeah, it was great in 3D. It looked awesome. I guess no, it didn't. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it comes down to the individual's experience with 3D. Like if they're a seasoned moviegoer and they've seen a lot of 3D films, they might have a different sort of knowledge base of what 3D is to them. Whereas probably me going to a 3D film that I, I really don't go to movies anyhow in the cinema. So if I go to 3D one, it's like, wow, look at this. It's shiny good. But, you know, it may not be. I, I, I was actually considering going to Star Wars. It's not um, bad. It's it's not like it's bad 3D. My whole point was it didn't add anything to it, and if anything, it 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 was glaringly obvious it was not designed for 3D. 3D. Whereas something like Avatar was really or Gravity, yeah, Gravity was phenomenal in 3D. Oh, was it? Um, Okay. Oh yeah, made the that makes the movie Um, right. But where you can really. Basically, the the true indication of if something was designed for three D or not is how much stuff is actually coming out into the audience, mm. not the "ooh, I'm poking you in the face" thing. Yeah, but just yeah. general scenery. Is it kind of feel like you're in the middle of it, or does it feel like you've got a window and you're looking through the window and you go, "Oh yeah, all that stuff is three D," you know? So it's it's a depth versus stuff coming at you. Uh, yeah, it's really the stuff coming at you. That's what. 3D is all about like, and that's what that's what Avatar and Gravity excelled at was what they had coming at you. It made you feel like you were in the middle of this stuff. And prime example of that with with Star Wars versus say Avatar. Avatar after a tree of life falls down, there's all these burning embers floating in the air, right? Yeah. In the theater, they were like all around your head. That's what it yeah. felt like. In Star Wars, beginning of the movie, there's a scene where there's all these embers floating in the air. There's not a single one floating amongst you. They're all That's out. Fail. Fail, yes, you, fail, it's fail. all deep. Um, you know, you've got lightsabers. Shouldn't these things be you know blazing? Out of you. Nope, not once. Um, no, the actually the only effect that ever came directly out at you was the one of the star destroyers, and it was fantastic. It's just pointing there, big as day, coming out at the screen. It was like, why isn't the rest of the movie like this? Yeah. Um, but there was also the classic Star Wars shot of spaceship coming at the camera and then it fills the screen camera whips with it. And then you see it going away towards whatever planet it's going to. Right. Yeah. It's been in all the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Well, in 3d, you've got this ship and you're like, Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. It's going to come out onto the screen, but then it fills up the entire frame pans across, which makes everything completely flat. And mm-hmm. then, as it goes away, it's now going again away from you, but it never came into the thing. So if they were doing a proper 3D framing, the ship would have never filled the frame. It would have always been contained within the borders of the of the movie screen, 
Therefore, then it would have had the effect of actually coming into the movie theater and then panning back out. So that's how you can tell if something was truly designed for it or if it was just a mere afterthought and post-processed into it. Post, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there was one movie as well. I think it was an animated movie where the the 3D was used really masterfully. And I can't remember the name of the the movie, Um, but it was where there was a particular scene that something that the, that the story was something was not quite right mm-hmm. in this world and what they did is they skewed the vision slightly mm-hmm. in 3D just to make it feel uncanny mm-hmm. and make you feel as a watcher that something wasn't right you couldn't put your finger on it but it was just like and just sort of put some things out of focus and just made them look less real and it was yeah. really clever the way they did that Tron so Legacy, sort of that, or mm, was it Tron you, Legacy, or I don't know what was that? That new, the new, the most recent Tron movie, yeah. not the original, but the 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 other one. Um, they did a Wizard of Oz moment, so the movie starts out and it's completely two D, oh, and yeah. and it's not three D until he gets zapped into Tron the computer, World. and basically. If I if I if I recall correctly, they start on his face as nothing 3D, and then the camera pans around to the back of him, and as it does the pan, the whole world all of a sudden expands and goes oh, into 3D. Wow. Very cool effect. I that mean, it, that was really cool um, use of use of that 3D. And this yeah. is a thing that needs to happen with 3D. This is why I think taking it out of the realm of um, TVs. It's probably a good thing because I'm pretty sure all these people that are doing 3D for movies um, were going, oh, well, we have to do 3D because, you know, 3D TVs, right? Rather than going, we have to do 3D for the beauty of the cinematic experience. I think no, that's not what they're doing. They're doing 3D. They're doing. Bec- no, they're doing 3D because it's a $3 upcharge. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm dead serious. I'm dead yeah. serious. <laughs> they they went. Ooh, we can make more money. Okay. Okay. Um, three D. Right. The three D TV at home was a thing of well, we need We've content in order to sell the TV. Mm. So all of a sudden you had content. Now you can sell the TV, but then all of a sudden TV sales weren't like they were selling purchase. Right. It's it's not like a movie where you go multiple times in a year theoretically. And they get a grab of that three dollars upsell every time. It's like right. well, you buy a TV and it just kind of does three D. So right, but what they found was people were choosing either to not buy the three D TV or were just always saying, "Ah, I never use it." And mm-hmm. you know, why are you building it into Bumping this set? I'd rather have the I'd rather have the set down in price than than anything oh. else. Yeah. Um, and then basically with the influx of four K TVs that's been kind of outright killing it because you're already paying extra price for the 4k and people were saying, well, I don't want the extra price of the 3d. The sad part is, is that the 4k is able to handle 3d way better than the LAT TVs were. Yes. So that's right. it's all um, about things per inch. Um, exactly. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. 4k TVs actually within themselves, when you're playing back Blu-ray content on them, look have this depth of field to them anyhow right. because of the Christmas right. of things. So you can see that like you're saying with 3D, I think as television technology um increases, it's gonna come down to the ability of the TV and the media playback to be able to do 
um, non-glasses stereoscopic. I think 4K is just the beginning of that phase. They then need to bump the resolution again, um, and then they should be able to do it. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that evolves. All I know is I'm stoked that I have my 65-inch 4K 3D TV mm. uh, before they all disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. the point that I even went to – I just went to the optometrist a um, couple of weeks uh, – two weeks back, and I'm going to get prescription 3D glasses. Prescription 3D glasses? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because it's a pain in the butt for me because i got to put glasses on top of glasses. Yeah, and what that causes is I get a reflection – Oh, yeah. And that like, becomes distracting. Yeah, if there's any kind of light coming from behind my head, which, gee, when you're in a movie theater, there's a giant projector up there. Yeah. It, I get a double, I, I get a bounce, and oh, it causes that, a weird shimmer. Yeah. Um, that so that's really kind of annoying. Distracting. Yeah, so I figured, okay, now that I've got it in my home, um, I'll go ahead and pay the price for the for these. And, and actually, my optometrist is all excited about it because I'm the first person to ask about this, but he's always wow. been curious. We've been talking so, about it for years. So does and the so he's, allow you to just use your glasses normally, or do you have to have a special pair just for 3D? It's a special pair because it's a they're polarized. Yeah. But to pull a, Rather than go up and down, they're like... One is going up and down, one is going sideways. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Ah. So that's how it separates what, what eye is seeing what. Right. Um, okay. Unfortunately, yeah. one of the coolest things that they were doing starting to do with video games that they don't do now because 3d didn't take off, but rather than have a split screen, they would do uh, like the same screen. So you have full screen experience, but on a different plane, like yep. 3d plane. So that's pretty cool, right? Yep. So you, have a so you both be sitting there in the room looking at the full screen, but what you were seeing was not what the other person was saying. That's so smart. Like yeah. that's very cool. But unfortunately, nobody's doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't take off at all, um, which is really a bummer because it should have. Yeah. I thought that was one of the better implementations, That's especially for video games. Smart use of yeah. 3D for sure. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Hey, uh, you should probably go to work. That's what's the time? Oh, yeah. It's 8 o'clock. Yeah, I probably should yeah. go to work. I had some breakfast and all right. stuff. Um, yeah. Well, hey, that was a uh, that was a fun back room. I'm glad we got to re- Actually, record one for a change. Yeah, that's right. It was good. Good to indulge in the back room now and then. Now and then. All right, folks. Well, we will see you all again next week. Uh, well, not in the back room, but in the blockade, I'm sure. Mm, cool. <laughs> Something of that nature. All right, folks. Thanks for uh, watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you all again later. See ya. <laughs>